Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 239. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot snippets, HubSpot RSS emails, and our upcoming 28-day challenge. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well. And wasn't it just so good to catch up with Elliot from HubSpot today? It was fantastic, Craig. Yeah, good to see him in person. First time I've seen someone from HubSpot in person for, well, a year. It's just been so much soon. But yeah, just catching up with him for a coffee. Gave us lots of useful insights and tips on HubSpot. And feedback, yeah, Yeah. which we'll talk about later in the show. That's right. Now, what's our growth thought of the week, Craig? I'm really excited about this. This is the HubShot's 28-day HubSpot Marketing Campaign Challenge is under development and will be coming soon. So this is something we're putting together. And wow, didn't that just roll off the tongue, that name? (laughs) (laughs) But I want to to chat about, this was your idea, Ian. I'm really on board with it. And you had this whole idea that I find this as well. We're talking with uh, clients and they come and we often get people that have had HubSpot for six, nine, 12 months. And when we look in their portal, they actually haven't got a campaign done and in market. They've kind of got little bits they've started And we see this often. So listeners, if this is you and you kind of feel a bit embarrassed about it, don't be. You're actually, it's quite common. And so what we find is that HubSpot does a good job of onboarding, but they kind of tell you, oh, go and do this. They point you in the right direction, but they don't actually do it with you. And so people kind of like, there's no shortage of resources, but they don't get stuff done. Yeah. So the 28 challenge, we're working on out all the details and the format, but we will have Zoom calls with you. We have a whole plan. 20 days worth over 28 days, about 20 business days. So things to do and then weekly calls where we work with you to actually get it done. It's tailored. You actually get stuff done. It's practical and hands-on. And this is really what you've found with your clients, isn't it, Ian? Correct. So I think what we're going to do, Craig, is we're going to have a start of the week. We're going to have a training session. Then you get to go implement during the week. And then on a Thursday or Friday, we'll have a Q&A. So you get to come back with questions and people will get to learn from each other as well. So that's the benefit of being and doing this together. It's just like this podcast, Craig. I always think back and I go, five and a half years on, we would not be here if, it, if we weren't with each other because there are days when I don't feel like doing stuff and you don't feel like doing stuff and we just push each other. And I know when you, we push each other, we get stuff done. And so this is really a life learning of us doing life together and doing business together working on HubSpot together, and we wanted to share that with our listeners. Yeah, so I'll just expand on some of the things that you talked to me about, about ideas. In those calls, we would basically stay on those calls until we've answered everyone's question. We're going to keep them small, so a little group of 10 people maximum in these little cohorts. Well, to get the most value, you must be prepared to share in the group. You know, you share your screen, here's what I'm doing. We will actually work with you. Oh, implement this so you'll get to see us doing things. You'd probably give us access to your pool as well. We can actually help you get things in place. So it's actually hands-on. And I think this is the big difference between a lot of these courses. They kind of say, oh, here, go and do this, but they don't actually help you and, and hands-on and do it. And over the course of those, well, four weeks, you'll go right from setting up a campaign, having goals, getting landing pages in place. We'll look at email nurtures. We'll look at actually getting them live and in market with Facebook. We'll show you how to set up a LinkedIn campaign or Google ads or whatever's appropriate for your particular industry. We'll show you tips and tricks with each of those things. So it's right through to the end. And then the other thing you'll get at the end is reporting. 
how to actually track and see that it worked well and then report on it. So in the space of a month, you get a campaign live and in market. So if you've been having fun with HubSpot for six months, but you actually haven't got anything done and in market, this might just be for you. And listeners, you must be using HubSpot Marketing Professional to join this cohort. All right. So we'll have details on that in the coming weeks. We don't even have a sign up or register interest page. We just thought we'd mention it here. It's coming up while we get the format confirmed. But in the next couple of weeks, you'll be able to raise your hand and show interest. All right. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And Apple is changing labels from subscribe to podcast to follow podcast in the upcoming version of the podcast app. I find that quite interesting. There's been a whole lot of discussion around this, I guess because people are so used to the App Store and you subscribe to... Which indicates some sort of monetary... Yeah. They use the word subscribe related to money. So you subscribe to App News Plus or Fitness Plus or whatever. So podcasts, they actually... I've seen surveys where it's like high numbers, like 47% of people thought that subscribing to a podcast and the podcast that mean you actually have to pay. So that's why they're changing it to follow. And there seems to be this change in the industry, isn't there? If it, where you think about subscribing actually has a monetary component. Oh, I subscribe to the New York Times. Oh, you pay exactly. money. So yeah, good change. So just a reminder, folks, you can subscribe to our show notes for free. Correct. <laughs> All right. And the other thing is now icons are now insertable in rich text, Craig. And the rich text module, or the rich text field in custom modules now supports icons. And if you subscribe to the show notes, you'll see an example of that within there. And why is this important, you ask, is because previously you had to know some HTML and CSS to make this happen. And now with a few clicks, you can make it happen. So that's the benefit. I'll give you one that's really common, copyright symbol, copyright icon. Yes. Bang, here it is, easy. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig, and this is HubSpot RSS emails. Just going to quickly talk about this because listeners might be wondering how we send out the show notes each week. It's not a campaign that we prepare. It's an RSS email based on a blog post. So we prepare all the show notes and it's uh, prepared as a blog post that gets published and then the RSS email pulls it and automatically sends it out to the list of people that have subscribed or have they followed? <laughs> we'll change, the, change from subscribe to have subscribed to the show notes. Now, it's a really useful tool. I'll just mention the way we do it is a daily RSS because people say, oh, is it weekly or whatever? We do it daily because it only picks up new content. So the reason I say daily is just like, well, if, we get, if we're late in publishing, uh, rather than waiting a whole week to send it, it'll just catch it the next day. So that's all automated. And of course, we try to automate as much as stuff as possible in our agency. And this is just another good example. So RSS emails. However, I wanted to highlight a bit of a gotcha you might have noticed that our show notes went out on Sunday. Yes. Normally Friday. Did you notice that, Ian? I did. Were you I was waiting, waiting for, for the email, Craig. I was, really, I was like, why, why hasn't it gone out? Oh, what? I'll tell you the sequence of steps that led to this. It's kind of complex, yep. but because we have a QA kind of process, so although we've prepared the blog post, yes, and then as part of preparing it, we say, oh, it's going to be scheduled for 9 a.m. on Friday. Actually, gotcha. 9.05, because this uh, SoundCloud is scheduled to go at 9. Yeah. So 9.05, the publish, we scheduled the post to be published. However, we have a QA process and someone else on the team has to QA everything and then says, yep, okay. So the post was saved as saying, oh, it's going to be scheduled, but we haven't actually said scheduled because the person that QAs that goes scheduled. And that normally happens on a Thursday. There was a bit of a backlog. And so the person that was doing QA, it was actually way on Thursday. So they got it. They didn't actually check it and approve it till Friday about midday. Now, our RSS email 
is scheduled to go out at 11.15 on a Friday morning. Can you start to see where the problem's coming? Yes, I can so see this. So the 11.15 one goes out. And of course, there's no new content because that thing hadn't been QA'd and gone live. So then the QA person at 12 goes, oh, yeah, that's good. And they publish. And at the time of publishing, because it was scheduled for 9, the publish date is set for 9 a.m. on the Friday. You see what's happened? Even though they didn't actually do it to, to noon on Friday. Yep. So you think, oh, no worries. The RSS email on Saturday will catch it. No, because the RSS email on Saturday goes, oh, was there anything after, after 11.15 on Friday? Yes. And because the post, even though it had been done at noon, was published at night, so it missed it. So there's a little gotcha uh, just in process. Anyway, how did I get around it? I just changed the publish date to Sunday by the time I caught it. And then it got published. Then it got picked up in the RSS email on Sunday that went out. So there you go. Um, shows you the power of RSS emails, but also a little bit of a gotcha there. So am I understanding this right, Craig, that an email only gets triggered if there is new content that's been picked up. So when you say that it's a daily email, it's looking for a, something new every day. And if that's not happening, then it's not sending. Correct. Gotcha. All right. HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is using the power of HubSpot snippets. And remember, listeners, you can use this system-wide to speed up responses and avoid mistakes and time finding customer and company information. I've put an example there of a snippet that one of our customers use, and you can use this across the system. But they were using contact details and company details in this snippet because I found out sales were spending lots of time trying to dig up information about customers to send it to their accounting team to get a particular record created or account created in SAP. And so I said, well, let me help you speed up this process. So we were collecting the data into HubSpot. There are some custom fields in there. Like in Australia, we have the the Australian business number. And so we're collecting those details. So when we had to get the account created, it was really, let's put this snippet into a task and send it off to the person in accounts to fulfill it. So there's a good example of snippets. Now, another pro tip listeners, when you are creating snippets, create the folders and organize your snippets correctly instead of having it all in the root because that'll help you as your team grows and as things grow within HubSpot, it'll help you keep everything organized. And as a bonus, if you get the show notes, there is an academy lesson about snippets as well. Okay, the HubSpot wish list item of the week, Craig. This will be a really small use case. I'd love to be able to A-B test menus. Would this be of interest to you? I'd love that, Craig. Yeah. And you know what, what prompted this? Because on our HubShot site menu, it says newsletter, and I'd love to A-B test newsletter, show notes, or subscribe. Ah. That's just a simple example. So, Craig, I'll tell you one thing that we do is in the menu section, we don't use the menu, but we have a call to action at the top right. We run tests in a in a CTA that switches it out and tests it. So... That's yeah, that, that was, that's one workaround. Or the other one was actually replacing the menu with actually a rich text field. Correct. And just having links in the content that you could switch out. So, Because yes. I wanted to actually have smart, not only A-B test menus, but smart menus. Ah. And there's no real way to do that. Correct. Uh, because, and I'll give you some examples. Let's say you've got a customer come back or you've yep. got a VIP piece. You'd love to be able to change the menu based on that. So it's really got to be a CTA-based thing or, yes. or a rich text thing. but. I would just love to have some standard menus and switch between them yeah. to test. Yeah. That's a good idea. Hmm. All right. The HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is something we spoke about before, about redirecting HubSpot files. 
Yeah, so I'll revisit this from last week. You might remember I managed to take down a site because I put in a quite a dodgy, um, flexible redirect. How could you do that, Craig? Tell me. I know. I, I'm still amazed that I <laughs> did that. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's how to take down HubSite. Go crazy with flexible redirects. But it still had the problem. So I'll, I'll, re- I'll reiterate the problem, as I mentioned last time. We've got a client. They've got a PDF of an ebook, and it has been indexed in Google. And in fact, it's ranking number one for quite a good term. So we don't want to lose that ranking. So we've taken all the content and we wanted to put it on a pillar page, which we've done. Now all we want to do is redirect that PDF to the pillar page. It, it's fine for the content to be there because it, it's in there. So it's not like we're trying to gate the content. It's just that we want a page to be ranking for it, not the actual ebook. So all ebook content's in a pillar page. How do you redirect it? You can't. So I've been through HubSpot support, backwards and forwards, and no, can't do it. Uh, actually, oh, and shout out to Daniel Bershey, so right. at uh, Sales Engineer. So actually, Ping Tim, he did some internal checking, you know, pulled some strings. They came back. And I'm going to tell you how, we, how we've actually got this working. They were quite clear to say they're not suggesting this. This is not a recommendation. It's more just a, here's something you could do. We're not really recommending it. But they was like, if you could somehow proxy that URL. So enter Cloudflare where we manage the DNS, Correct. Cloudflare has page rules. So from Cloudflare, we're grabbing just that URL of the PDF and redirecting it to the page. So before it even gets to HubSpot to take over, so Cloudflare. So that's the answer. Cloudflare page rules are your friend if you're using Cloudflare for your DNS, which I would recommend. All right. Uh, marketing tip of the week, Craig. Subfolders versus subdomains. Should I use a subdomain for my blog or a subfolder? And which is best? Do you get this question from customers? All the time, Craig. Yeah, all the time. I still get them asking. And people have quite strong opinions on this. We've covered this on the show before, by the way. However, the answer has not changed. And the answer is, it doesn't matter. Google will look at both. And in fact, the answer to which one should I choose is actually what's easier to maintain. So for many people, actually having it on a subdomain is easier to maintain. Uh, Maybe there's separate systems. But maybe if you've got it all in one and it's all in HubSpot, well, have a folder, do it there. So we've got a link off to a new Ahrefs article. Uh, it actually quotes Google in many cases saying it doesn't matter. Google can work it out, so don't be worried about that. And so, folks, it just comes down to what's easiest for you to implement and maintain. And if we look at HubSpot, everything is on blog.hubspot.com, right? So they've gone a subdomain. Exactly. Yeah. Others have, have got subfolders. Yeah. All right. On to our inside of the week, Craig. This is going to be about feedback. And this was following our conversation with Elliot from HubSpot. Another shout out to Elliot. So good catching up with you today. He's a good egg, isn't he? He is. Now, why we were thinking about this, because we were sharing a lot of feedback with each other about product, about systems, about processes that we... Hey, can I just jump in? When you say feedback, do you mean Craig whinging about stuff? (laughs) No, so let me take a step backwards here, Craig. Let me start with, what is the dictionary meaning of feedback? It says information about reactions to a product, a person's performance of a task, which is used as a basis for improvement. So I think that's really the key here. How do we use feedback for a basis of improvement? And I'd also like listeners to understand that over the last few episodes, we've really been unpacking a lot of stuff around these kind of topics, just so that we can get a better understanding of how to be better at what we do. So how can we use feedback for a positive way of improvement, Craig? So I think the first thing is having an open mind. Mm. Like I often think when we are trying to understand more about ourselves and more about a situation is 
we need to be open to learning or hearing from others. That's a big thing. I think the other thing is actively asking for feedback. So I think often people don't ask for feedback. And even in tough times, they don't ask for help. So that's another, that's another scenario which I've had to change. I think always try to understand and ask more questions and dig deeper. So ask why. In some training I did not so long ago, I think one of the things they suggested to us was asking somebody why five times to really get to the real reason. Because if you keep asking why, people keep reiterating and trying to help you understand why that happened or why that was not good or why it could have been better. And you get to the real crux of it. And I think another thing is have a way to track feedback. And I think in one of our previous episodes, we talked about uh, with NPS, having something simple as a free Trello board where you can track feedback and you can see what's going on and you can address it without getting it and then doing nothing with it. Closing this off, I love what you said. Feedback offered in a supportive, constructive way is a gift to the recipient. Yep, a supportive, constructive way. By the way, I, I just want to say, oh, is this the Elliot Praise Show? Because <laughs> I want to say to Elliot, because he listened to me he did. carry on, like mm-hmm. I was having a, a real whinge, complaining about a bunch of things. He was very receptive. Well, I think he took feedback really well. And it wasn't about him, by the way. Exactly. It's about HubSpot stuff. And I'm actually going to mention one of them in a second, because, well, for various reasons, but... He took it. He didn't take it personally. He didn't try to defend it. He just said, oh, yeah, that's really good. And what about this? And it was really good. A great way. And he will take that back internally and probably improve things, right? And I actually just feel even better about HubSpot after having that time with him. So Correct. if Elliot, if you're listening to this, I know he doesn't listen to podcasts, but uh, if you did, thank you for that. I thought that was really useful. I'll talk about some of the feedback I gave, which was about HubSpot support, which of yes. course he's not, you know, that does, that's not his area at all. It's not, uh, not at all... Uh, involved in that, so it's not at all a reflection on him. However, I, I mentioned that I thought HubSpot support has gotten worse lately. And the reason, I wouldn't normally mention a negative on the show, but I do want listeners to know that for all the things I do praise HubSpot about, I also do grumble about things when I don't think they're performing. And so I like to mention that because if I do say something good, it's not just you know me drinking the Kool-Aid. It's like, oh, that is actually good. And there are things that they don't do well. And sometimes I just think support has been like this lately. I've had two experiences in the last week when I've thought that's really bad HubSpot support and, in fact, really bad advice that they've given. And I think it's because they've got juniors that haven't been trained up properly that are maybe too busy. The first thing they do is just, oh, we'll just do a quick Google and come back with the first result, which is just really bad. And it's the reason I'm calling it out is because it's so unusual. HubSpot support is normally something that we hold in such really high regard. It's been so good. Exactly. And we've just noticed it really degrading lately. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's unlucky and maybe it's a blip or, and I'm scared, do you remember when we said a year ago? It's like, yes, I we'll, recall that. <laughs> we'll go, oh, the telltale sign when HubSpot's about to be acquired is when they <laughs> they pump up all their numbers and they withdraw, you know, they cut costs. And like, yes. I said at the time, jokingly, oh, if customer support goes down, we'll know they're about to be acquired, right? I'm joking. And I, I have no inside knowledge, by the way, folks. I'm just totally making this up. But it always worries me when you see a company that's had excellent support. Yes. Something stumbles like this. Like, what's going on? That, it's so important. And it's such a differentiator. I just don't know why. So here's an example of feedback that I've, 
well, I'm giving internally through back channels and maybe mentioning on the show. I haven't actually written this in the show notes. I didn't want it to be in writing. So this is just on the show for people to listen. But there's really important. And as Elliot said, it's like, well, if he wasn't getting that feedback from people, how would they know? Because they're not going to be getting it from metrics. By the way, I don't give them ratings on the yeah, support. Correct. When they give when they give bad answers, I used to go, oh, that's a five. But I know they get counts to their incentives. Yes, and it does. Yeah. I'm actually affecting someone's career and perhaps bonuses by giving them a bad score. So I actually don't do that. I actually think it's a reflection on HubSpot, not the actual person. So then giving that feedback, how do they get that feedback? They wouldn't know from me otherwise. And that's the great thing about having a channel like, Elliot or some other way to communicate that okay. feedback and know it's going to be pushed up. So, and I don't feedback. think they've. I don't think this is the first time they've gone through this, Craig. I remember many, many years ago, possibly when I first joined or just before I joined and started using HubSpot. I recall that there was a really bad slump with support, and I think it was brought to the attention of Damesh and Brian, and they did actually do something about it, and they went about the change. Again, you know, they've hit some amazing milestones in terms of $1 billion in annual recurring revenue, 100,000 customers globally. So, again, I am sure there are some new challenges that they're facing as they grow and mature. So, let's hope it's just one of those little bumps along the road and we see more great support. All right, Craig, on to our HubShots throwback of the week. And this is what was happening a year ago, HubSpot. Gave you the ability to control the page title on a blog post. Before the blog post, page title just inherited the blog post title. title, And you can separate them out. We were so excited about it a year ago, we actually mentioned it on the show as the feature of the week. So that was a year ago, Ian. In episode 196, hey, Craig. Now, Craig, I'm just going to ask you a question. Why on earth would people think that this is important? Oh, well, this is only with people that have got their SEO nerd caps on. So... Page title is what appears in the browser tab, for example, and yes. that Google uses as a hint for yes. what they use in, in the Google results. Not always. Google tends to rewrite them more often than not these days. But that might be different to the actual blog post title itself. Uh, blog post, what would you call it? Not, I don't want heading? to use heading, maybe. Yep. I don't want to use the because page title has something as a meta Correct. name, which is different right. to the, uh, like the post uh, name. So it just means that the post name itself can be quite descriptive, whereas the page title for that post can be much more optimized for Google. Gotcha. All right. Our resource of the week, Craig, and this is from the HubSpot Academy. It's about lead management training, segmentation, nurturing, and lead qualification. And it's about one and a half, hour, and a half hours to do this course. It says you will create a contact management and segmentation strategy understand how to set up lead nurturing and qualification and hold your teams accountable with a service level agreement. Now there's one that we haven't talked about for a long time, <laughs> but listeners, I would definitely encourage you all to do this and keep ahead of the game because as more and more people join and I've, we've been training quite a few people of recent, people seem to go through a cycle where they, they understand it, the team grows and then people that join the team haven't been appropriately trained and so now you've got these SLAs in place or you've got a strategy for your segmentation and they don't understand the strategy for doing all of that. And so you get all of these random lists created. You don't understand lead quality and how things should be passing between teams. So it's really important. I think we've almost got to be thinking about doing this on a quarterly basis, about getting everybody on the same page 
and saying, hey, this is what our strategy is and this is how we're going to make it better and this is how we're going to work together because as teams grow, I tend to find it becomes increasingly difficult for people to work or they go, oh, there's too many people in these meetings. We can't talk to each other. And I think it's really important. We've got to get this right because I see across organizations, people that work with sales and marketing work well together and they openly share about things that are happening, things that they're getting stuck with, how they can improve it. And when the two work collaboratively, you get a so much better result. I don't like the word SLA or service level agreement. There's something about it. It sounds contract. It it sounds harsh. It's very IT, isn't it? <laughs> it is IT, but it's also I demand that you give me this level of service or else there's penalties. So I think whenever I hear service level agreement, I, I hear penalties. And I don't like that. So when you just said collaborative, I'd rather another word, collaborative goals, let's say. That's exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. we've documented our collaborative goals. Yeah, I think that's a blocker. Because how many of your clients actually have SLAs between sales and marketing? None. None. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's because people don't think of SLAs in that way. Right. As many courses, you know, and there's lots of HubSpot Academy courses that do it and they do it themselves. But yeah, our clients don't embrace it. I think that needs another terminology. All right. Quote of the week, Craig. And this is from Donald Miller from Marketing Made Simple, a step-by-step story brand guide to any for any business. It says, if you want to be remembered, associate your product or service with the solution to a problem. Now, Craig, there's some cracker bonus links of the week. Yeah, I won't go into them uh, all, but just to po- call out electric ferries. Have you seen this? Nothing to do with marketing, Ian. But no. Norway has launched an electric ferry. So this is great for renewables. It's got mega batteries on it. It can take up to 60 cars. No, no 200, 200 cars. cars and 600 people. 20 times a day just cruising across a um, uh, channel they've got there. All electric Gold. It's the future. So there you have it, listeners. And there is a big shot of the week, Ooh, which we've is... we've got a nice one about YouTube Video Builder. Yep, we'll That's right. There. And like it said, it's easy and free. Let's see how, how easy that one is. Nice little animated uh, GIF or GIF there. That's you, right. Is that going to work in the email, in the show notes? I don't know. We should test it out. It'll work on the blog post. Yeah. <laughs> I think it does. I think it will, yeah. Because, you know, on HubSpot videos, when you send the video, yeah. you can have an animated GIF. Ah, right. There you go. If you haven't, please connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a note saying that you listen to the show. And as always, we appreciate you listening to us. Please sign up for the show notes at hubshots.com slash subscribe. And if you've got any questions or you want anything to be resolved or you've got a little blocker, please send it to us. We'd love to see if we can resolve it. Or what about if you've got something that you'd love to see in the Hubshots HubSpot Marketing Hub Campaign Challenge? Yeah, that sounds like a... Tongue twisted there, Craig. Yeah, send us any feedback of anything you would yeah, like just to reply. see. Send us, I love it. Reply to the email and Craig will get it and we will respond back to you. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.